Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Can you imagine being there at the campfire and this angel of the Lord, you know there's something really wonderful about him, and then all of a sudden the, the offering gets put on the altar, and he, he, he ascends, he, he just goes right into it and just ascends. In the, I mean, everybody's jaw would be hitting the ground. You'd be drawing flies. I mean, it would be uh, an awesome thing to behold. Today's scripture on truth in Christ is, He did a wondrous thing while Manoah and his wife looked on. Welcome to our Bible study as we continue in the book of Judges. The angel of the Lord proved he was wonderful by doing a wondrous thing, ascending in the flame of sacrifice to heaven. For the first time, Manoah and his wife understood that this person was no mere man or messenger from God they realized they spoke with God himself. As Christians, we must remember that Jesus is not limited. He can always appear to us in different ways. So continue to look up as our redemption draws near. Now let's join Pastor Rob for today's study. Just a portion of his glory, he had to to veil it, for if he did not, those men would be consumed. I love what the Bible says. It says, our God is a consuming fire. And his, his brightness is so bright. I don't know about you, but that, that just, it encourages my heart. To, you know, don't you, don't you desire for purity and truth? I mean, especially today, there, there's, there's nothing truthful, very little truth out there. And yet we can hold on to the truth. And the truth has a hold on us. But one day we're going to see him and let your heart get, let your worship be energized by just thinking about Christ, thinking about Jesus in this state and just to imagine him in all of his glory and all of his beauty, perfect in every every possible way. He's perfect in compassion. He's beautiful. He's perfect in thought. He's never had an evil thought. He's perfect in His compassion, perfect in love, perfect in forgiveness. There is nothing about Him that is not perfect. Have you ever really just grabbed a hold of that? I mean, to me, that's just awesome. But notice, he says, uh, So Moses saw him and was afraid, and verse 7, The Lord said to him, I've surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. I love that about God, too. He knows He knows our sorrows. He knows what we're going through right now and the difficulty and the trying that it is for all of us, not just the the church, but for those outside the church. And he says, And I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land 
uh, from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. And of course, he's speaking of the promised land there west of the Jordan River, to a place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites, the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression which the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses, notice, says, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And so he said, I will certainly be with you, and this will be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain, on Horeb. And that that certainly did happen. We know that. Then Moses said, Indeed, uh, when I come to the children of Israel... And say to them, the God of our uh, of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say? And God said to him, I am who I am. And this is the exact word that is spoken of here in uh, Judges. Uh, I am. It's In Hebrew, it literally means, it's a name that means to exist. That, that's what the word means. The name I am. It's a, it's a, it's a single word and it means to to exist. So it's the self-existing one, the one who has always existed. And we see the exact same thing, and I love this. You might want to put a footnote off the side of your Bible here and write down John chapter 18, verses uh, 3 through 8. Remember when Jesus, at the night that he was taken, he and his disciples were in the Garden of Gethsemane, and uh, Judas came with a detachment of, of troops to come in with swords and spears. And remember, uh, Jesus looked at this army that had been coming to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he said to them, Who are you seeking? And they answered him, and they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, I am he. Uh, he, in the, if you look in your Bible, you'll notice that the word he is in italics, which means that it wasn't in the original scripture. Uh, so he literally said, I am. I am, and it's the exact, I mean, obviously it's the, it's the Greek word for that Hebrew word, but they both mean identically the same thing. The Greek is ego, I me, which means I exist. <laughs> so another vaguety, isn't it? So tell me who, who it is that sent me. You know, who am I going to say that sent me, Lord, to come and say this? Tell them I am, that I am. I exist, I exist, I've always existed. That's who you should say that sent you. And so, verse 12, Manoah said, Now let your words come to pass. What will be the boy's rule of life and his work? And so the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful, and, and, and that she may not eat anything that comes from the vine, nor may she drink wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean. All that I commanded her, let her observe. And so, you know, if you think about it, he really didn't go into any great detail about the manner that they were going to raise him, but he said enough. He said enough. And if they knew the law, if they knew the law, they could go back and uh, look in, um, they could look in the, in the scriptures back, uh, we looked at that earlier. Uh, where was it? Uh, back in Numbers chapter 6. He could go back to Numbers chapter 6 and look at what was there, and it would spell everything out. So the Lord didn't really need to go into any great detail. He just kind of summarized it. Basically, what I said to the woman is what I'm saying to you. Um, and, and certainly both of them would know where this came from, so they would have to go look in Numbers chapter 6 and check it out for themselves because they certainly had copies of that available to them. 
So, verse 15, Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, Please let us detain you, and we will prepare a young goat for you. And the angel of the Lord, notice again, the angel of the Lord. It happens so many times. Underline it in this chapter. Just underline the angel of the Lord, and it happens quite a bit. Please let us detain you, and we will prepare a young goat for you. And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Though you detain me, I will not eat your food. But if you offer a burnt offering, you must offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know that he was the angel of the Lord. He didn't know that he was the angel of the Lord. Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, What is your name? That when your words come to pass, we may honor you. And so verse 18, he tells him. He says, And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask my name? Seeing it is wonderful. Seeing it is wonderful. This, this word literally in the, in the, in the Hebrew, it, it literally means remarkable. It means secret. It means extraordinary, incomprehensible. That's really the name of it. In Isaiah 9, verse 6, we know this verse very well because we uh, all have it on our Christmas cards, right? <laughs> For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called what? Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Whoever this son is that Isaiah is talking about is equal with God, is God. And this son who is given is equal. He is mighty God. He is equal. He is the everlasting father. But that word wonderful is the same root word that we get from that this thing right here, seeing that it is wonderful. And so you see the Lord just drawing always. And everything that he does, he's always pointing them to the scripture, isn't he? I mean, when he says to them of the Nazarite vow, and he tells them these requirements of things, he's pointing them to Numbers chapter 6. And then when he says, what is, what is my name, seeing that, uh, why do you ask my name, seeing that it is wonderful? Certainly the light bulb should be going off in their head. Um, actually, Isaiah wasn't uh, written uh, at this time, so it was really unfair uh, for them to, to know that because they couldn't have known it because it wasn't going to be written for another uh, three or 400 years yet in the future at least. And so they couldn't have known that. But notice what it says in Isaiah 9, verse 6, that he is wonderful. Same exact, uh, of the same root word. So verse 19, So Manoah, he took the young goat and the grain offering, and he offered it upon the rock to the Lord. Notice it wasn't some fancy altar. God doesn't need fancy. He's very practical. And I like that about God because he is practical he is uh it's very easy for us he doesn't he doesn't need some fancy marble sculpture where everything is just laid out just so and don't breathe don't breathe you know you got everybody's holding their holding in their chest and you know not looking you know looking straight forward and you know you can't even touch your nose if you got an itch i mean it's god is is just so wonderfully practical and isn't that nice that he just wants to fellowship with you and i you know, he wants to fellowship. He, he, he enjoyed fellowshipping with Manoah and his wife. And he certainly would have liked to have fellowshipped with uh, Samson um, and, 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 and hopefully changed Samson, you know. And it's a scary thing that, you know, God doesn't just come upon a person. And as we read through this, you're going to see that the Spirit of God came upon him. The Bible says that the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance, and it's a real mystery to us why God would allow that kind of power, those kind of gifts that Samson had, why he would give them to him knowing in advance what he was going to do. 
But see, God does that. He, he knows in advance that this person is going to prostitute that gift or they're not going to do the right thing with that gift. The impetus is upon the person to do the right thing, but God doesn't take back the gift just because he knows the person's going to squander it at some point. He allows the person to, um, to go through the process because the person doesn't know how exactly they're going to go about you know, this gift that God has given them. God knows. But aren't you glad that God allows that person to figure it out? He doesn't just make the determination. I mean, how many, you know, how many of us, you know, God having all knowledge, you know, I wouldn't deserve anything, you know, uh, and neither would any of you for that matter. You know, God, he's good like that. So Manoah took the young goat and the grain offering and offered it upon the rock, and he did a wondrous thing the angel of the Lord did while Manoah and his wife looked on. And it happened as the flame went up toward heaven and from the altar that the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. And when Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell on their faces to the ground. I think I would be too, wouldn't you? I mean, this is before Star Trek. This is before... um, any of that stuff where, you know, beam me up, Scotty, uh, none of this stuff existed. And can you imagine being there at the campfire and this angel of the Lord, you know there's something really wonderful about him, and then all of a sudden the, the offering gets put on the altar and he, he, he ascends, he, he just goes right into it and just ascends. Into the, I mean, everybody's jaw would be hitting the ground. You'd be drawing flies. I mean, it would be uh, an awesome thing to behold and certainly they were blown away they they fell on their faces to the ground and when the angel of the lord appeared no more to manoah and his wife then manoah knew that he uh that he was the angel of the lord and notice and manoah said to his wife and i love this this is just so um i shouldn't say typical but it's kind of like there's some stereotypes that are here that are kind of fun if you'd allow me to do this um Manoah said, we shall surely die because we've seen God. And his wife looks to him and says, "Uh, if the Lord had desired to kill us, he would not have accepted the burnt offering, by the way, Mr. Big Shot, and also the grain offering from our hands, nor would he have shown us all these things that he's going to do if he was just going to smoke us. And I love that. The voice of reason uh, from Noah's wife comes through. And um, But you can't blame their excitement. Um, if we were to see an angel of the Lord do that, I think we would be freaking out as well. But so verse 24, the woman, she bore a son. She indeed did. And she called his name Samson. And the child grew and the Lord blessed him. His, his name, Samson, literally means like the son. Like the son. And it's, a, it's, it's an interesting paradox that his... That his life, as we're going to see as we get into chapter 16 in a few weeks, we're going to see that ultimately the Philistines were going to catch Samson and they were going to put out his eyes. They were going to gouge out his eyes and he would be blind and he would have to actually tear that temple down by having a young young boy lead him to the pillars of that Philistine temple of Dagon. And it's an interesting thing that his his name would be called like the sun, and yet in his latter his his end really would be in darkness. He would lose his sight, and that he would actually allow his his life to be taken, uh, and 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 take his life, and in the process killing over a thousand Philistines. And it says that um, we're going to get to this when we get to Judges, but uh, Samson judged Israel for twenty years. And notice what it says finally in verse 25, and we'll end here. It says that the Spirit of the Lord 
began to move upon him at Mahane Dan between Zorah and Eshtaol. Now, Zorah and Eshtaol are two little cities. Remember, like I said, if Jerusalem is uh, is here, if you go, um, actually, I'm trying to think of uh, your perspective. So, yeah, it'd be from here. If Jerusalem is here, go west. And then right over here is Zorah. And then just a little bit northeast of that would be this Eshtaol. And so this is where the spirit, that's where his dad was born. That's where he was born. And so now... You know, the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him. Uh, and again, the Spirit of God didn't indwell people permanently like you and I have the privilege of, like, uh, like the people on the day of Pentecost did. Jesus said that the Spirit of God would not only be, would not only be in you, but come upon you. And so, the, the, back before uh, Christ and before the day of Pentecost, the Spirit of God came upon individuals at time to do certain things of God's will. And certainly, the Spirit of God would begin to move upon him at, at this place and at different times that we will look at. And so, we'll see uh, uh, in the next chapters that we look at, we're going to uh, see Samson, how he struggled with sensual pleasures and, and certainly wasn't consecrated to the Lord. And that's not a good thing. And we see him really in the light of a carnal believer uh, like we saw Lot in Genesis chapter 18 and 19. And, and the thing is, is why do you want to uh, get close to that fire? You know, there's plenty of Proverbs and, and Psalms that talk about, you know, holding a fire into your bosom and approaching a woman who is a harlot, a, a prostitute. And, and these are the kind of things that uh, Samson entertained and was very much a part of his life. And he had no control over it. No, he didn't rein that that lust in. So Samson really serves as a model of what the godly man ought not to do. And um, he may be, um, you know, whether Samson is in heaven, I have no idea. I'm not going to make that judgment. Um, the Lord came upon him to do certain things. and uh, But the thing that we have to remember for, for man and woman is to not allow ourselves to get into this place that Samson uh, got into because he was born with such privilege. He was born with, with such promise, actually, that God had placed upon him. And yet he lived in a tribe uh, of Dan, uh, who was uh, a tribe that really wasn't walking the way it should. I mean, none of them really did, but Dan was really one of those who fell into compromise. And they lived in a time when there was already a moral decline. And so, but regardless of that, God had a plan and God was going to use his life. And, and God can use anyone and he will use anyone. And I'm so glad that the Lord doesn't look at each of our lives and, and see it in totality and say, well, this person has really done the right thing all their life. They've never really did anything wrong. I mean, that's not really true. We know that we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But, you know, none of us are perfect. None of us are perfect. And so, but God loves to choose uh, people he like he uses you know uh, vessels uh, that aren't perfect and certainly as we look at Samson's life we will see that as well but let it be a a, a warning to us especially men because uh, we're going to see um, Samson get involved in things that he shouldn't have and again God had a better plan for him but he allowed and he didn't interrupt uh, 
Samson's own will. He, he, he tried to intervene at different times, but you know God will not force himself on anyone. And that's what love is, right? Love is a choice. Love is a decision that you have to make every single day. I will choose to love. And, 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 and love is, when you choose to love, when you choose to do the right thing, that is one of the most glorious forms of worship when you choose to do something when you don't feel like it necessarily all the time. You know, it's easy, and we'll just end on this, it's, it's really easy to, to love something when your heart and your mind and your eyes are engaged, you know. But when sometimes those things are waning or sometimes when there's a decision that you have to make that's really hard, but you know it's the right thing to do, that love makes the decision. Love follows through with whatever it is, even though it doesn't feel good in the flesh. In fact, most of the time, I think uh, doing the right thing is not going to feel good in the flesh. The after effects of it are going to bring peace and righteousness, and you'll see the benefit of it. But often, it's usually the things that are easy, the things that feel good. Those kind of things will always lead us away from the Lord. And so, hopefully, we will learn a lot out of Samson's life. And so, let's pray and give thanks to the Lord for even including this in the Scripture. Again, this is a really tough uh, couple of chapters uh, because it's very honest. It's very honest. And so, Father, we, uh, we come before you tonight, Lord, and I pray especially for the men in the body since Samson is a man and many men, many men struggle with this kind of uh, temptation in this culture and it's only getting worse, Father. Uh, so many men entangled, God, and, and so many men not really uh, reigning in those areas of their flesh, uh, not crucifying those areas in their life, Lord, that, are, um, that they should, that, that, that is leading them, uh, that the enemy is using against them, and, and they're willing to go down a road that's just leading them away from you, leading them away from their families, le- leading them away from all that is good, Lord. And it always looks promising. It always has the, uh, uh, the promise of, of, of something. But, Lord, it never, ever works out. It never does, God. History is littered with the souls of men and women who have gone down that road thinking that things are going to get better, and it never, ever does. Lord, help us to learn that lesson. Help us not to be like a Samson. So, Father, we thank you for this time tonight. Lord, please encourage our hearts, Lord, as we as we navigate these days that we live in, Father. Help us to resist, Lord, the temptations of our flesh. And Lord, for male and female, those temptations uh, sometimes are different. Sometimes they're the same. But Lord, we want to be consecrated to you, Lord. We want to just, certainly not to make a vow, God. We know we don't need to make a vow to you concerning anything, but Lord, help us. Just to make the decision every single day, Lord, I want to follow you. I want you to guide me, Lord. I want you to help me. And Lord, would you do that in each of my, in my own life continually, Lord, and continually in the lives of my brothers and sisters as well, Lord. Don't let us, don't let us drift, God. And if we have drifted, Lord, bring us back into that wonderful, sweet presence of yours where there is fullness of joy, where there are true pleasures forevermore, Lord. Pleasures that we're, we never have to be ashamed of. Pleasures that we can rejoice in, Lord, because they're pure and they're holy, Lord, and they're right and they're just and they're from you. 
So, Lord, have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Judges. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.